0: So when we when we had our first plugin exercise on June second twenty eighteen sorry there was there were just um, fifteen or seventeen of us um, that participated on OAU campus for the first plugin exercise and now we we have our spread across um, in over twenty five locations with um over one thousand three hundred volunteers. <laughs> This is climate opportunity.
1: Climate opportunity. Climate opportunity. What cost? climate opportunist welcome back to another interesting episode of the podcast this is the first time i'm having a guest on the show drum rolls yeah Uh, this was a very exciting conversation for me considering the fact that this is the first guest i will be having on the show they say ladies first yeah i did everything humanly possible to ensure that i have the lady but it didn't quite work out so in the end I had to get a guy and what's interesting about this conversation was the fact that we had to record twice the first time on zoom with the recording ending up being pretty much useless and then we met in lagos nigeria on the sides of the mandela washington fellowship alumni reunion and uh, On one of those days, we just got together, sat down, pulled the mic, and decided to have the conversation. My guest today is someone who has combined climate change mitigation with fitness. Interesting, right? Uh, Not to talk too much, I'd let you take it away from here. Welcome to another interesting episode of the Climate Opportunity Podcast. Today on the show, I have with me a very wonderful person, and I'm going to allow him to introduce himself. It's good to have you on the show. Thank you for joining me. Hello, how are you?
0: Hi, i Daniel. It's good to be on the show. My name is Mayo Kumiya I am from Ilaje in the United states, and my mentalist uh, profession and my passion. Uh, I, I run an organization called Blogging Nigeria Club, where we promote a culture of responsible waste and physical fitness. And I am also um, interested in disaster
1: risk and management. Does that do for the introduction? Yes, absolutely. So, the rationale is I always like people to introduce themselves by themselves, right? Because I do believe that no other person can tell your story better than you. So, you've met him. His name is Mayokun Yaomolewe. And Mayokun, you lead a movement that um, combines responsible waste handling with physical physical fitness. I want you to tell me about this movement and how it came to be.
0: Okay, Um, it's quite interesting. So, I got into the environment space in 2016 since then i have been a very loud advocate um, for the environment helping people to come to the consciousness of um, changing their behaviors their interaction with the environment uh, so from then um, i always you know people knew me as an environmentalist I had different names mr green uh, this and that and i used to talk so much uh, speak so much for the environment on my social media pages uh, so people used to tag me in a lot of environment themed posts uh, then somebody tagged me in a Facebook post um, where um, a set of people from Sweden were plugging. Um, so plugging means jogging and picking, that's, that's the basic meaning of plugging and it's um, a relatively new English word with Swedish origin. And so in 2018 I was preparing to uh, Commemorate the World Environment Day with an activity, and the team was with plastic pollution. So, I remember the post um, somebody, the post where I was tagged plugging, and I, I thought that that was a good exercise to commemorate the day, considering that the team was with plastic pollution. So, we could do a bit of cleaning and remove some plastics from the environment and all that. Um, so, yes, we had the plugging episode that day. I reached out to people, invited them, and they turned up, they showed up. Uh, then after the exercise, I asked about the experience, and people felt very fulfilled because um, as they were exercising, they were also helping to clean the environment. So uh, it meant much to them than I even envisaged or imagined. And they asked that we <clears throat> that we do the plugging again, that they wanted to be a part of it again and again. Then we agreed to do it fortnightly. That was on Obafemi Awolowo University campus in 2018. And we continue to do it every two weeks. And every time we went out there to vlog, we always made sure to talk about it on our social media pages to educate people, to demonstrate to people to keep clean environment, to keep their spaces clean, and be more responsible with how they discard their waste, cut down on the discriminated disposal. And um, interestingly, people from young other young people from other campuses were seeing it and they were very much interested. They also wanted to have it in their campuses. And that was how we began to uh, make moves towards setting up subsidiary units of the Plugin Club in other campuses around Nigeria. And um, today we are present on 23 Nigerian campuses, uh, or we have been functional in 23 Nigerian campuses and uh, four local communities. Um, so that's, that's the brief story behind Plugin, and um, like I mentioned earlier, Plugin is jogging and picking letters. So when we are cleaning the environment, we are also exercising our bodies through dance, um, through running, through walking, just every form of movement that helps to make um, improve our physical fitness. And it's been an awesome journey.
1: All right, Mayokin, thank you so much for laying the you know background to, to the work you do and helping us understand the basis for a plug in nigeria and what is interesting about your work is that you combine physical fitness with environmental protection right and we know from various studies that climate change is very much a public health issue and one can tell just by looking at the lived experiences of people in africa and people in some of the marginalized communities how climate change affects their health environmental health and all of that and my next question to you will then be, how effective has your work been in promoting eco consciousness and health for young people in your movement? Because I, it's 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 an organisation that is that was built out of a movement. So, how has it been? How what's what's the effectiveness been like? Okay, um, thank you for that question.
0: So, um, have we been effective? In helping to get people to be eco-conscious, yes, actually very much yes. that's one of the highlights of what we do at Plugin Nigeria Club because um so when we when we had our first plugin exercise on June 2nd, 2018, sorry, there was there were just um 15 or 17 of us um, that participated in OAU campus for the first plugin exercise now we we have our spread across um, in over 25 locations with um over 1300 volunteers and the reason we were able to grow um, this much is because as we started from the beginning we continued to talk about our work and the reason why we were doing it and we were able to get more people into the fold so what started um with just 15 volunteers has grown to Ghana over 1,300 volunteers so yes Um, and these 1,300 people are people that um, have grown some level of um, environmental consciousness and um, you know when these people come and participate in plug-in exercises you know they get this new orientation about how they interact with the environment because when you have participated in a cleanup where you had to clean waste um, if you're a very conscious and intentional person It'll be difficult for you to still go on to dispose or discard waste indiscriminately. Of course, some people still do it even after a cleaner. But, uh, but the point is, we have been able to help people to shift their consciousness from the regular um, um indiscriminate practices of waste disposal to, uh, to to them being more conscious, being more intentional about how they dispose their waste, because they have participated in what we do or in our plug-in activities. So yes, we have helped to awaken people's environmental consciousness, and you know when we have um, had these conversations and participated in activities that um, have helped to promote responsible waste management, it opens the door um, in the minds, in the hearts of these um, volunteers, we call them pluggers, uh, to have deeper conversations about environmental protection, about environmental preservation and conservation. When we begin from the lens of waste management. Uh, which is something that people have to do every day, since we generate waste on a daily basis. Then we can begin to have deeper conversations about energy conservation, about um, best practices as to using water, about um, deforestation, about climate change, about global warming. So yes, um, we have helped to. Again, I think I've answered this a couple of times. I've helped to increase, um, awaken people's eco consciousness about the. Uh, the environment and also for the fitness part, um, naturally participating in plug-in activities. Um, I mentioned earlier that we, we do a lot of walking, we do a lot of running, we do relate, we dance. So all of these um, activities help to keep your body moving and you know exercises, the muscles, the joints, and increases your fitness as a plugger. So eco-consciousness, fitness, helping to advance that through plug
1: yeah, and and I remember there was there was a story you told me at some point, point. Um, and for the records, this is the second time we're recording this, <laughs> because of course technology sometimes makes things um, more difficult. Uh, yeah, but then this is the second time we're having this conversation, and I remember at some point you had told me about the lady who. Um, yeah, do you want you want to go about the story? Okay, again?
0: okay, um, so we. Because of the physical nature of um, our plugin events, um, we at one point we were on the lookout for how um, the plugin activity has really impacted people's physical health. Excuse me. So um, we had uh, one of our pluggers testify, a lady she testified that um, since she joined Plugin, she has had um, less painful. Um, menstrual cycles or menstru- yeah menstrual cycles uh, she testified that before uh, she joined plugin actively before she joined she used to have a lot of pains and you know all of what comes with you know the, the monthly cycle for ladies but uh, since she joined plugin she f- uh, she saw that the the flows were easier um, I'm looking for the right words to describe it yeah. were easier. And that just generally that she had less painful cycles and, mm-hmm. you know, it was more easy to do the menstruation. So that was, that was really a big one for us. It was yeah. really a big testimony and it was even documented by BBC um, when they had that testimony. Yeah. yeah so.
1: Interesting. I mean, it's, it's a very interesting one. And I think someone listening to this, um, podcast she might want to look at how exercise and, um, I have not. I have not since that time gone to do any additional research to see how exercise, um, regular exercise, affects menstrual cycle and pains and all of that. But that might be a very. I, I am not. I don't know if it's documented or not documented. I would want to. I would want to look it up later. But it's interesting to know that she could trace that particular result to her participation in the periodic uh, plug-in exercise. Uh, And let's bring it back home. Um, You've you've talked about it a little bit, but I just want you to kind of just, you know, um, maybe shine more light on it so people can understand that Nigeria generates about 30 million tons of waste every year. And a lot of people believe that that problem is basically due to improper waste handling or system failure, but you are dealing with it from the place of behavioral change. Uh, You believe that if you can change people's behavior, you can actually make a huge dent in on that problem. How was that philosophy or paradigm or worldview of, you know, tackling waste generation and the waste explosion, how effective has it been for you?
0: Yeah, thank you for that question. Um, So we are targeting behavior. We want people to develop more responsible um, behavior towards waste. And um, honestly, sometimes it feels like um, we are not making progress. Yes, of course, we have made progress.
1: (laughs) Of course, you have you have (laughs) 1000 people. Yeah in your movement that is progress Mm -hmm. in the space of how many years yeah in the space of four years you've grown from 15 to 1000
0: to 1000 plus yeah but like you mentioned um um, we have systems that are failing us and that are contributing to the problem uh in nigeria we don't have in nigeria it's a case of um inadequate or absence of waste uh, management facilities or infrastructure our population is so much and we have very little waste management facilities in some places we don't even have at all. So it's difficult for people to practice responsible waste handling. you know, for example, you're telling somebody not to throw away a piece of nylon or a piece of packaging for whatever they consume, and that they should always throw it in a bin, in a proper bin. And you know, people and when these people work 20 minutes, 30 minutes, they cannot find a bin where they can drop a plastic bottle, a nylon wrapper, a paper wrapper, and they just end up throwing it away in the, in the open space in the environment. So the, the problem of uh, infrastructural deficit is really a big one. And it's, uh, I, I like to believe it's one of the reasons why a lot of Nigerians are not very uh, conscious to, in how they manage their waste or how they dispose their waste. But then, um we've also had cases where there are waste management facilities around in, you know very tangible quantities well located and people still misbehave with their waste so uh, it shows that uh, there's also the issue of behavior uh, behavior that needs to be changed and needs to be addressed and this is one of the things we, are, we have tried so much to focus on in plugin Nigeria when we go on our plugin activities when we go on our plugin exercises and with our pluggers our as we always stress the need to be very intentional about um, how we handle our waste and use that as a point of modeling to other people around us. And um, There's something we say so much, um, keep it till you can be in it. Mm. Um, so that um, no matter how far you have to take your waste, keep mm-hmm. it in your bag, keep it in your pocket. Yeah, keep it till and, you can be in you know, it. Till you find the proper disposal point. Yeah. So, um, we, we have been making progress. We are getting more people into the fold, into our fold of mm-hmm. um, being conscious with their waste. And these people are also helping to sensitize more people by modeling it, by talking about it. Yeah. So, we are going to get there. And um, know when if, if we are able to build responsible waste behavior yeah. in individuals now, yeah. um, hopefully, it's, it becomes a, a value, a principle in, in people's life individually. And when they have opportunities to get to the positions where they can, you know, influence infrastructural development, they would um, see um, waste management infrastructure as something very important, um, something that is needed to actually maintain clean spaces.
1: Yeah, and it's also critical to mention that I was looking at your records recently, and I saw that you've collected over one hundred and fifty-two thousand PET bottles. Uh, that's about five tons that you've collected since inception. And you mentioned to me at some point that there's actually capacity to collect more. But like you mentioned uh, just now, what has limited your collecting capacity is um, is the, the the absence of uh, off takers and optakers and facilities to actually manage what you collect. Um, and i'm hoping that someone listening to this podcast will do something about that mm-hmm. but beyond waste collection and jogging which is what pl- which is what plugging is um i i i saw you i saw you putting up um a notice lately about one of your clubs mobilizing for funds to build a resource center from plastic bottles pet bottles um why that is that why that is critical is because I was listening to um, a climate change podcast earlier today and the speaker had mentioned that for every one ton of cement produced one ton of co2 is emitted right and so cement is one cement and concrete is one of the leading contributors to co2 emissions and here you are you want to build a house, out of pet bottles and you know what is interesting about this idea is the fact that you are reducing significantly the num the the volume of cement or the quantity of cement that would have been used in making the bricks um in casting of concrete and all of that you it may not be an entirely pet bottle housing but it's you're reducing significantly the quantity of cement that would be needed in that particular building. I want you to tell me about this crazy idea and the thinking behind it. Yeah, um, thank you. I like that
0: you you talked about cement and you talked about um, our the fact that we are still going to use cement, but we are reducing um, so much to very tangible extent, the quantity we are going to use. Because when we mention solutions like this, some people think, "Oh, um, it's a hundred percent solution." Um, well, n- no, it is not. But it's beautiful that at every point we are trying to bring in solutions that will reduce the negatives. So this our Petals project is. Um, um, it's, it's going to be a model one, on, um, on the, um, in Nigerian university campus. So, the idea is to. Do you want to
1: tell us which university it is?
0: Yeah, uh, I'm at the Bello University in Saria, Kaduna State. That's where we are applying to pilot this project. And um, it's going. We, we are going to use 35,000 bottles, plastic bottles, to build um, a plastic house, or a pet house, as we call it. And it's going to be a resource center. It's going to be a center for training on environmental sustainability, the SDGs going to be a space where um, we, we teach people uh, about upcycling. Um, it's going to be a space that we also use for um, a temporary collection center for um, recyclables and all that. So it's just going to be everything sustainable. We are going to power it through um, renewable energy. It's going to be a very serene, calm, green environment. The interiors are going to be designed or decorated. recyclables and all that so we just want to um we want to use waste in 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 a very tangible way in a very visible way such that when everybody passes by that structure Mm -hmm. they would see that wow this is the 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 major building blocks for this house is plastic bottles and you know it would automatically convey a message to anybody passing by that Mm -hmm. we can do more with waste yeah Uh, we can can actually do well with waste. You can build things amazing with waste. So that is the inspiration we want people to get from seeing that project, from, um, you know, seeing that project, from looking at that project. And um, we have completed, this is our second round of fundraising for that project. Uh, we have not been able to generate more funds, but we're still pushing. We are still going to be looking for grants. Perhaps um, a listener in this podcast yes, will Please come to
1: sponsor us. Please come and sponsor. Mm-hmm. We have a pet house building project. Yeah, yeah. Bring
0: yeah. your money. Yeah, and interestingly, we have built, um, we we are putting our amount here because I wanted to say we are putting our mouth where our money is, but mm-hmm. we are looking for the money. So we have built... Um, sitting slabs on the same um, Bello University campus with plastic bottles and we see that this is something that is very feasible so it's not just um something we are ideating and when some of when some people hear plastic house we just think they think majorly or they think mostly that it's just going to be plastic bottles everywhere and they have concerns of it's plastic bottles if there's a fire it will burn it will melt Uh, Even if it's not just plastic bottles, if there's a fire, it will quickly burn because of plastic and all that. Uh, But research has shown that um, these buildings with plastic bottles and mortar, that's cement or clay and all that, that will be used as other composite materials, are actually stronger than regular buildings. Uh, Yeah, they they can withstand more pressure than the regular buildings. And they help to regulate temperature better than regular buildings. Whoa. Whenever it is hot outside, it will be cool considerably inside the building. Mm-hmm. Whenever it is cold outside, it will be warm um, in the building. So it, it helps to balance the micro um, temperature of that oh, ambient that space where it is. It is sited and all that. So it's really something sustainable. It's really something to um, look forward to and appreciate every sum of support we can get. And most importantly to everybody listening to this, you can do more with your waste. You can be very innovative with your waste. I'm
1: I'm grateful you mentioned that particular particular feature of the building, how it's the thermal regulation and the temperature control, which is saving a huge cost on air conditioning. Because one of the things we need to begin to look into, especially in the tropics, is how to design our buildings in a way that Saves the cost of air conditioning because we are already facing the the impact of climate change, which is yeah. significantly increasing the cost of air conditioning and cooling in the tropics. So if we have building designs that helps to drop the temperature when the tem- when the when the outside the mean average temperature is high, and then keeps it you know low when it's you know just just that yeah. that contrast. Yeah. When it's yeah. hot outside, it's cold inside. And when it's cold you know, outside, cold outside it's, it's, warm it's warm inside. Yeah. That is really, really significant. And on the whole, carbon fr- footprint of, of of Africa. And and I love that. And I'm hoping that yeah. someone yeah. on the podcast is going to hear this story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, come drop some thousands of dollars for you to, for us to get this project finished. And what is significant about what you're doing, Rayoko, is the fact that we in africa not just africa in 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 this in the global south especially in nigeria because this is where we are there's this tendency to wait for the government for everything right but here you are you're leading a group of young people who are not waiting for the government right and how do you think that we can balance individual action with government intervention in driving climate change i know this is not your your, your cup of coffee but i'm <laughs> just i just wanted to throw this to you yeah, it, it's actually my cup of coffee
0: because um, um, all these works that we are doing in the community development space, in the environmental sustainability space, um, there are works where we need the government to be very much involved. Yes, um, many of us are working, many of us are able to um, or have these organizations and these initiatives because the government uh, is not Doing things as they are supposed to be doing, and it gives room for us to do many of these things. But um, we can't um, just sit and continue to wait for the government in places where we can actually help um, to salvage the situation to make the condition better. Um, there's a lot of there, there, there are millions of people, hundreds of millions of people, there are hundreds of millions of needs and um, the government is expected to meet all of these needs. And the government has limited resources per time. Mm-hmm. The government has limited time to implement projects and all that. So, and of course, in Nigeria, for example, there's also... I, I would not say I'm very proud about our leadership and all that, but I'm just saying that there's a lot of there are a lot of dynamics in play that may not allow the government to function maximally or as they are supposed to function. Yeah. So, and when we have the ability, the capability, to um, create change, to help to make the situation better in our respective spaces as individuals, as a community, as a group of people. Um, It is very important that we do that uh, and we do not undermine our efforts in any way. And in the end, we we should see that our efforts are complementary to the government, to whatever the government is doing. So I think if we all develop this mindset, uh, we can be able to handle our waste better be able to handle community problems better, we can be able to handle national development issues better.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. I think you you kind of brought the balance in, um, while waiting on the government, let's do the bits that we can do, right? Um, because we have to hold our government, uh, let me rephrase that, while holding the government accountable, <laughs> let's do the bits that we can do, yeah. let's, not, let's never wait for the government, never wait for the government. Because in, in, a, in a lot of instances, the government is that big elephant that would take, you know, a lot of time and energy to, to get itself one yeah. step you know, forward. And mm. then sometimes it takes one step forward and then 10 step backwards. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So let's, let's just, uh, what I think our responsibility is to hold the government accountable, to, to lobby the government, to mount pressure on the government. But as individuals, we need to play our part because ultimately, climate change is an individual problem with a collective consequence. Right? Mm. Yes. Mm, Interesting. (laughs) That's a nice way. No, is that a nice way? That's
0: as a deep way to put it. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So it's a uh, it's an individual problem with a collective consequence. Thank you for noting that. Oh, could it be a collective problem with With individual consequence? I think
0: it's both ways. Because, yeah, it can actually be both ways. It's both ways. Um, yeah, but ultimately it affects us all.
1: Yeah. On, you know, on collective levels mm-hmm. and individual, individual levels. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah I get it. Thank you so much. All right. So let's move forward. Um, so you have gone from physical fitness to climate nutrition. And I know that you also have a component of your business that is green business. Um, I do not want to talk about, because we do not have time, I do not want to talk about what you do with the Green Switch Academy where you do climate literacy. Um, But now you've come to sustainable building and upcycling. Where do you see plugging Nigeria in the next five years? I love the answer you gave the first (laughs) time I asked you this question. (laughs) And I'm hoping that you can recap it Mm, exactly that week. What if my answer has changed? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, if your answer has changed, that is progress. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah. Don't, you don't have to give me the first answer you gave. If your answer has changed, let me hear your new answer. Vision, I will tell people what your answer was. The vision has not changed. Okay. The mandate has not changed. So mm-hmm. I don't
0: think the response is going to change per se. Yeah. So um, in the next five years, um, we, as an organization, you know, most times we want to have this, we have these dreams, we want to expand our work, we want to cover more grants, we want to reach more people, being in more locations, and then yes, we, we just want to expand the scope of our operations, reaching more people naturally. Yeah, and all that. But then, I I think in the next five years for us, while we will still be trying to do that, mm-hmm. we also want to consolidate our efforts in places where we are already operating, where we are already existing. things. Yeah. So I have mentioned, uh, maybe twice on the Already, that we are operating in, in about twenty-five locations, twenty-seven locations actually. Yeah. Or we have operated in some because in some places we had to close down mm-hmm. because we were not being as operation, operational and functional as we want. Mm-hmm. So now we want to look for how we can consolidate our activities in this particular, in these places where we are already existing, yeah. existing or where we have started operations. Yeah. And that's uh, because. Um, we want to be sure that we are actually making impact in these places and we are not just shouting and expanding and expanding and yeah. we cannot sit down you're, not, you're not sacrificing you know, quantity for quality you know and we want to be sure that we are actually helping to change people's behavior yeah so um in the next five years most of our work while we'll still be doing expansion but it would not be as rapid as we have done in this first four years mm-hmm. we'll try to make our works more solid in those spaces and um, hopefully <laughs> this is a grand dream maybe if you had asked me uh, what's my dream for the next or where do i see the organization in the next 20 years or 15 years yeah. i'll probably have said i do not see the organization existing because i'll be hoping by then that we no longer have risk management problems that people that some set of people would have to go and be jogging and picking uh, yeah so In five years, I'm very sure we are still going to have that problem. But like I said, in five years, we want to consolidate our works. We want to build better structure for our organization. We want to um, uh, make our organization more instrumental in those places where we are already existing and see the tangible change. And, you know, we are very sure that if we can really help to create change in those communities, these people would spread the message themselves, would take it to other parts of the country that parts of the world so uh, so
1: that in 20 years there's no need for plugging there's no need for plugging you know what was what was i don't want to use the word that's in my head but what was phenomenal when when i first heard you say this that you don't want to be here doing this in a couple of years because your goal actually is to make sure that um, it's no longer necessary right mm-hmm. that we don't have to go jogging and picking wastes that the the end goal success for you means that yeah that's pricing. our vision is our vision is feed people
0: in clean communities so if mm-hmm. we have communities Not like clean
1: then what are you plugging for yeah ah. so that's it well that's that's that sounds very controversial so <laughs> in the future you probably won't be doing plugging but you will still be doing other things around the environment and all of that um, yeah. And that is is critical, that is critical. And it means that you understand what you're doing. And it means that your concern is is solution oriented. Your concern is not longevity. Your concern is your vision, which is clean environments, fit people in clean environment. And if the environment is clean, then there's nothing to plug. And if there's nothing to plug, it means that your plugging over the years has been effective. Mm -hmm right yeah. wow that's that's crazy that's really crazy i have tried not to say crazy but <laughs> i'm going to say that sounds crazy for someone to sit down and say my goal is to kill my business no, 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 yeah. all right thank you so much my it's been uh very exciting and interesting and intriguing having this conversation with you thank you so much for agreeing to do this again despite all the glitches we had the first time. Now we're wrapping up. Uh, My closing questions uh, for everyone who comes on this podcast is who would you want to nominate or recommend to be on this podcast? Just one or two people.
0: One or two people, um,
1: local or international. I'll, I'll give you the slot. I'll give you one local slot and one international slot. So you have two slots. Climate Opportunity
0: Podcast.
1: Yeah, that's that's the podcast. (laughs) Uh,
0: So interestingly, I met a lady
1: today. She works in the
0: waste management space. But I don't think I wanted to... Okay, of course, you should talk about waste management. Let me be Uh biased to my field. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. um, So I would recommend um, here in Nigeria, locally, I'd recommend... It's difficult to pick one person. Yeah. And I'm trying to think beyond this. I'm trying to think about other environmental issues. Great. Uh, I'd recommend. I'd recommend Adegbule. He, he has been on the field uh, as uh, you know an environmental advocate, mm-hmm. and he has also been. Um, he has also worked with governments in uh, helping to push environmental policies, and you know, so he has, he's, he's working in that intersection
1: now. So I think he would have rich
0: ideas. <laughs> now you
1: have recommended a guy, so you have to recommend uh, another.
0: gender. Can I recommend another guy? Okay, no, so, you um, cannot. I'd recommend. I I met a friend um, earlier this year in the US. Yeah, uh, during the during my Mandela Washington Fellowship
1: mm-hmm.
0: at Appalachian State University in Boone, North Carolina. Her name is Mabato Motsamai. She's from Botswana. Okay. and she has very deep um, knowledge about um, climate change and how it's affecting people migration and all that mm-hmm. so i think i would also recommend her for um, this climate opportunity podcast let me recommend one more extra people ah uh, <laughs> okay you have one more slot one no let me have two one local and one foreign so
1: you want not have four <laughs> instead of two okay go ahead
0: yeah i also met chelsea chelsea believer she's mm-hmm. from and you know our community experiences the impact of climate change first and like mine yeah uh, you asked me questions about waste management maybe i could have talked about the impacts of climate change so chelsea is, is a good recommendation and yeah back home here I would, I would recommend my boss uh his name is similar there they yeah. works in works helping to manage um, water and waste uh, water uh, wastewater and water that treatment. Wow. And he also he also works <coughs> sorry in helping to build a modeling system for weather and climate in some in different parts of Nigeria. And he also works with Neomab to monitor flooding erosion. Some of these, many of the things he works in have intersections with climate change. So
1: okay. Um, those are people I've got all right so you've given me four names. Yeah. Four. Yeah. Four. difficult okay. four. because if you check out all these people you're confused four names <laughs> okay no problem i would make my decision okay. um, there's a good chance that over over the you know the coming days and months the four of them would be on the podcast but yeah. i will just have to find a way to ensure that we go one at a time thank you so much my okay it's been very nice to have you on the show this Mm -hmm. uh i wish you all the best with what you're doing i wish you all the best with plugin nigeria the organization you are building to kill
0: (laughs) (laughs) why is it like that (laughs) i I hope i hope nobody listens to this podcast and did not hear the explanation for that
1: of course there's an explanation and um thank you so much everyone for joining on the episode today it's been an interesting conversation my next guest would definitely be uh someone outside of Nigeria and most likely a woman. And um, I am looking forward to that conversation. I'm not going to drop spoilers, but (laughs) it's someone from Cameroon. So, ladies and gentlemen, look forward to that conversation because it's going to be a very exciting and interesting one. Thank you once again, Mayokun, for joining me. Thank you for having me. And thank you for taking the pain to do this twice. Thanks a lot. Today has been fun. Today has been nice. Tomorrow is another day. Tomorrow, of course, is the next time I see you on this show. Stay out of trouble and make sure that you think people, planet, and profit at all times. Bye-bye. God bless you.